The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Having a baby is an experience of a lifetime. It is a very emotional time for families and a significant life change for parents. But how should women expect to feel in the first few days, weeks and months after leaving hospital? Today we speak with specialist obstetrician, Dr. Melissa O'Neill from St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco to talk about postnatal care. What are some symptoms women may experience physically after just a few weeks after giving birth? The first few weeks is a time when there's lots of new experiences for mum and dad or parents in general. Um, And I think often the physical symptoms that people experience are unexpected. We give a lot of thought in pregnancy to having a new baby and the birth experience, but we often don't consider what's going to happen afterwards. Yes. The more that we think about this and the more we anticipate, I think the less of a surprise it'll be. We all um, anticipate that in the time following delivery, regardless of the mode of delivery, most women will have a degree of bleeding, which might last up to six weeks. They may have um, pain, depending on their mode of delivery again, and they may have some uncertainties about their transition to parenthood. And so with the bleeding, is that just bleeding when they go to the toilet or is it spontaneous sort of bleeding that w- could happen after having a baby? Um Most women for the first few days after they've had a baby will have almost continuous vaginal bleeding, usually a little bit lighter than a period, but certainly enough that you would need to wear a pad. Mm. This starts settling down as the weeks go by and then might diminish to just a a little bit here and there. Usually by six weeks, all the bleeding settled, but sometimes it takes up to eight weeks. Certainly something that we check on when you come back for a postnatal review, either with your GP, your obstetrician or your midwife. Okay, that's good to know. And do they differ then, um, the symptoms, whether you've had a C-section or vaginal birth? Certainly the symptoms or the, the recovery is different depending on the way that your baby was born, but every woman will have bleeding Um, All women will have some um, transition to breastfeeding, which can be a little bit painful, has the risk of mastitis um, and lots of physical changes to the breasts. The pain after delivery um, is either associated with possibly having a caesarean section scar or some perineal sutures if you've had a vaginal delivery. And all women experience something that we call involution pain, which is related to the... (laughs) It sounds dramatic. It does. It sounds very dramatic. Hopefully it's not as dramatic and scary as what it sounds. Um, It's the way that the uterus contracts uh, afterwards to um, reduce blood flow. And it's particularly associated with breastfeeding. So when women are breastfeeding, they note that they've got a little bit of pain uh, where their uterus is and it's like a little contraction and it's quite normal but it can be a bit of a surprise if you weren't anticipating it. Yes. And are there some physical mental red flags, for instance, after going home with a baby that maybe they should reach out for help from their doctor, from their GP, back, perhaps seeing their specialist? Absolutely. And I think one of the best things that new parents can do is equip themselves with knowing what are the red flags, what what's likely to be normal and what really needs the attention of their healthcare professional. Um, from a physical point of view, an increase in your bleeding, we would normally consider uh, abnormal. So if it's being heavier, brighter in colour, more clots and is 
sometimes malodorous, we like to know about that because that could be an indication that there's something untoward going on. Um, we always ask that you would contact your doctor, midwife or GP if you have um, an increase in pain in your perineum, if you've had sutures from after a vaginal delivery or in a caesarean section scar. The other thing that we worry about is the development of mastitis, so relating to the breast milk. And if you have a, an area of redness or soreness in your breasts, that really needs attention and fairly quickly because mastitis can set in um, quickly and can make you quite unwell. From a mental health point of view, we know that all women are going to go through quite a transition in the, mm. an emotional and um, ever-changing time. And we like to think that if you are more than a little bit teary, feeling anxious and having any of the hallmarks of postnatal depression, you really will seek help because there's lots of, of support that's available in the community um, and early intervention is always key. Yeah. And what are these hormonal changes that maybe um, bring on these physical changes? What are some of the hormonal changes that women are going through after giving birth? Most women will go through a, a transition and have a little period of what we call the baby blues where you might have a little bit more tearfulness, you um, can be a little bit uncertain and certainly may wonder about whether you're really enjoying the, the time that you're going through with a new baby. I think that's related to both hormonal changes but also physical changes and recovering from birth. And sometimes birth can be an unexpected process that it, it um, turned out differently than you expected and some of that emotion can come into play. And we will consider all of that fairly normal in the, the baby blues um, scenario. And how many weeks would the baby blues would you might have the baby blues before you really should reach out for help? Is it, you know, a situation where you might think, okay, I'm, you know, I'll try and manage this for the ne for the first few weeks, or sh is it really you should reach out to your GP at any time? You probably should reach out fairly quickly, and it, it's certainly something we would consider very much in the short term period, so only in the first few days or weeks. Beyond that. Uh, I would have some concerns about postnatal depression and the early signs and so always encourage you to, to reach out to whatever community supports you have and often um, that is a child health nurse, a GP, mm. an obstetrician or the maternity service where you had your baby. And can I ask you about postnatal depression and perhaps the difference between baby blues and postnatal depression? Yeah, most women will experience some degree of baby blues around three days after birth. Baby blues can be caused by hormonal changes, fatigue and tiredness, sleep deprivation, pain from stitches or a wound, um, full breasts and the um, commencement of breastfeeding, or even the feeling that you're a bit flat after the excitement of, of impending birth and, and the birth process. You might start to feel a little bit anxious and become a bit weepy. This is a time for lots of support and, and usually passes quite quickly. Um, about 10 to 20% of women will actually go on to get postnatal depression, which can include symptoms like persistently low mood, extreme anxiety or, or panic, difficulties with sleeping or excessive sleeping, not eating or conversely overeating, um, and the inability to, to enjoy anything um, or make decisions, feelings of sort of inadequacy or even at the more severe end of the spectrum the feeling that they might wish to hurt themselves or their baby and in that situation it's really important to seek early help. We know that the um, antenatal screening for risk factors for PND certainly increases our identification of women who are at risk of PND but sometimes it can, can, can 
come as a complete surprise. And often in the setting of a much-wanted pregnancy, it can be a, a really challenging time for both mum and those providing support around. So we always urge seeking early help in that scenario. And would you go and see your GP or perhaps your specialist? Absolutely. You, uh, and uh, your your GP is very well placed to manage um, PND and can refer you to specialist support services if required, but often it's managed by GPs. And if you delivered in the private sector with an obstetrician, they similarly would be a really important first um, source of contact. Your child health nurse, who you will have met in the days following delivery, um, is also able to provide support and appropriate referrals. So there's lots of help available. It's just a matter of, of recognising the early signs and accessing the help. Mm. And I think also there's clinical psychologists now that's specialise in postnatal depression, don't they? Abs yeah, we've, we've got two excellent centres um, locally, but there are many services in Perth that are very much um, managing the perinatal period specifically and are able to provide that um, very appropriate and timely specific support in a very supportive environment. So uh, there's lots of help available. It's just really a matter of accessing it. And it is, I think, an important message is, is if you can access that help, you can actually get better. Absolutely, and yeah. and make the process a lot more um, enjoyable and healthy for mum, baby and the family around. Yeah, and when can you expect to have your period return after having a baby? Oh, well, <laughs> that's Does it vary? very variable. <laughs> yes. um, so if you're exclusively breastfeeding, you probably won't ovulate for up to six months, six to eight months, and you won't have a period until you have ovulated. So for the exclusively breastfed baby, uh, you're probably thinking around the six to eight month mark. But if you're not using um, breast milk for feeds or you're using a combination of artificial feeds and breast milk, your period might come back as early as four months. If you're not breastfeeding at all, it may come back within a couple of months. Okay. And the reason that we um, are wary of this is that you will ovulate before you have your first period. So when you're considering contraception, keep that in mind. Okay, good yeah. to know. So in, what about exercising after you've had a baby? Because I think sometimes social media see these mums out there and, you know, they're suddenly <laughs> doing CrossFit. It seems like a uh, week after they've had birth. The uber mums are out there, <laughs> That's yes. That's right. I would say go gently and do what's right for you. Exercise is really important because we know that not only is it a part of the recovery and, and um, coming back to good health, it's also about giving you a bit of a time out and a bit of clarity and getting some fresh air. Uh, so we always encourage the gentle reintroduction of exercise. Um, normally before six weeks, this would only be things like walking uh, mm. and gentle exercise. Beyond six weeks, you could consider reintroducing swimming and uh, light gym work. Uh, I always ask women after they've had a baby if they consider seeing a physio, a women's health physiotherapist um, for a detailed assessment of their pelvic floor muscles and, and then individualising the resumption of exercise. So for some women, they shouldn't really be running until at least 12 weeks after they've had a baby because of the, the hormonal changes and the effect on the pelvic floor. But some women might be able to return to running earlier. And this isn't just due to the mode of delivery, so caesarean section and vaginal delivery. It's also to do with your own pelvic floor factors and hormonal changes and um, the changes in your um, tissues related to breastfeeding. So we, we would always encourage you to see a women's health physio for a specific assessment and then individualise your return to exercise. If you've worked on your pelvic floor during pregnancy and prior to having your baby, does that sometimes help you after you've had a baby? Is your pelvic floor stronger? Yeah, absolutely. It certainly is. And uh, we would always be pleased to hear that you're thinking about doing some exercise in pregnancy. Remaining fit in pregnancy is um, important when we're considering 
the actual childbirth process, but also the recovery um, and avoiding excess weight gain. And pelvic floor uh, is always improved by doing sort of planning in pregnancy, mode of delivery, management of labour and delivery, and your postnatal recovery. What are some realistic expectations about losing some of that weight when you've had your baby? I always approach it with a be gentle on yourself approach. I think there's so much pressure on modern mums to do everything perfectly and return to exercise and um, perfection too quickly. Just be gentle on yourself and think about being um, sensible with what you're eating and your level of activity. And of course, we do focus in pregnancy on not putting on too much weight in the first place. Uh, Usually women won't be exercising um, too much for the first couple of months at least. And so I think um, being cautious about your diet and um, attention to your health is probably more important than a strict weight loss regime. Are there supplements and perhaps foods we should be eating that would help us after having a baby? Mum has to look after herself first and foremost. So we always say make sure you're maintaining a a really healthy diet yourself um, and looking after yourself because you can't look after a baby unless you're looking after yourself. With a, a multivitamin, most women will take a multivitamin while they're breastfeeding and that probably is of some benefit. I don't normally recommend specifically folic acid or iron in that period unless you've had an, a diagnosed deficiency of, of iron in, in the actual pregnancy. And uh, there's some top practical tips that you give in, in your consults, in your daily practice that you think women should maybe think about postpartum. I certainly do. I I urge women to just enjoy this period. It's a, a period unlike any other with a newborn. Uh, every day is different and all babies are different and the ability to just accept that every day will have its challenges but also great joy. And um, so first and foremost, look after yourself, enjoy the, the process and enjoy your new baby. We should offer lots of support to women in that period. It's a, like I say, a unique period and our emotional wellbeing certainly reflects on our ability to be um, good, healthy mothers. Attention to the physical symptoms that we've talked about and, and wherever and however you have had your baby, you should have some clear guidelines who to contact when you do have a what may be an evolving issue like excessive bleeding or mastitis or um, some emotional issues uh, and most women know who these contacts are in the community. Yeah. And are there ways that you can actually pre- prevent mastitis? Is it quite common? It is reasonably common, more common than we think. And um, women who have had it say that they, they, they knew that it was something just not quite right. Usually you feel a little bit unwell, you sometimes get a bit shaky, you might get a fever, but you certainly have some breast tenderness that you didn't mm. have before and it can evolve quite quickly. Yes. It's easily treated with antibiotics, but the earlier that we treat it, the better. So um, I'd always have a low threshold for seeking review if you think that you've got some unusual symptoms there because you probably do have early mastitis. And can you, can you prevent it or not really? There are some strategies with the way that we breastfeed that probably is um, has a role and certainly um, the, the frequency and ensuring that you've, at least in the early days, had complete emptying of the breasts will reduce a likelihood of milk stasis and development of infection, mastitis. 
Good to know. I think having those little tips out there um, will be really helpful for people after they've had their baby because I think, as you say, just some of these little key messages could be really helpful. Yeah, and it's all about setting women up for success. We we really enjoy seeing the process of women becoming mums and, and the more support that we can offer and the more um, availability of information, the better it can be and um, set people onto the, the pathway of success. Yeah, maybe mm. stay away from social media. Yes. <laughs> so then, maybe. yeah, just listen to your, your doctors, and it sounds like as long as you've got a good support network around you, um, absolutely, that can be yeah. a big, a big way, positive way forward. Yeah, I think I completely agree. It takes a village. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> thank you so much today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. A big thank you to Dr. O'Neill for sharing her knowledge with us today on MediTalk. And to learn more about Dr O'Neill and St John of God Hospital Subiaco, visit sgog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of MediTalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.